0: Yo, what's going on everyone? Welcome to the EPM show. This is all things enterprise performance management and we're here to give you an unfair career advantage. My name is Chad Pike and I am your host today and we welcomed Zach Fennessy onto the podcast. He is the co-founder of Xenix Consulting and you might know him as the co-host of the Best Practice Podcast. They have an awesome show and we were so excited to get them on our podcast to talk about enterprise performance management and today you'll get to hear his take on what's happening in the EPM marketplace what customers are looking for and the trends that they're seeing specifically around time to delivery the importance of data integrations and building trust throughout the entire implementation process. He also has some really great insights on how to lead an effective discovery process and how critical that is for actually realizing a successful transformation. There's also some really good nuggets in this episode around communication, both with your stakeholders if you're a consultant, and then also in terms of career advice for folks who are looking to get on their first Anaplan project, but don't have any project experience. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but you'll have to listen in to get that advice because it is awesome. Check it out. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing well. Pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for the invite. How are you doing? Good, man. We're pumped to have you. We can dive right in. Give me your career flyover in 60 seconds, and I'm going to throw a timer on and you can tell the audience a little bit about you.
1: So I am from Roseville, Minnesota. My family's actually from the East coast, but I've grown up in the Midwest. So definitely a Midwest boy grew up playing soccer, kind of, that kind of envelops my entire youth. So leading all the way up until high school and college, it was soccer every day, all day, wanted to watch it, play it. That was all I cared about at the time that branched into, I got a scholarship to play collegiately and I pursued that and I transferred twice due to injury issues and ended up kind of coming back home and finishing in St. Paul, Twin Cities around here at a small private school. And yeah, then in 2017, I I jumped into Anaplan. It was my first role. I was working on the customer care team. And I also did a stint as an SDR there, but overall spent about three to four years at Anaplan before like a lot of people in those roles wanting to kind of take the next step and combine the technical with a little bit more customer facing, get into consulting and the model building side of Anaplan. So spent some time with a partner, getting some experience on project. Then late 2021, I went independent. And then in 2022, we started FSF before obviously rebranding recently to Xenix Consulting.
0: Crushed it. So we also like to ask our guests a fun question. And the one I have for you today is what is one place that you have been to that you have absolutely zero interest in ever going back to and why?
1: I was on a road trip one time and we got a little bit off course. This was back before I was young, probably 13, 14 at the time. Didn't have Apple Maps on iPhones. So we had the MapQuest, you know, printed out directions and we got lost in indiana and took a wrong turn and and ended up this was late at night too ended up in gary indiana which is the hometown of michael jackson i believe but also one of the highest crime statistics per capita in the nation and it was a little bit scary so that was like at night i was like let's just keep on the road and keep the trip going but yeah, I don't. I don't think I'll be going back to Gary anytime soon.
0: Gary, Indiana, never been. Now, no, I it's never have a desire place to go. that people don't know about.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm a Midwest guy, so that's kind of our thing.
0: That's fair. I I was a wrestler growing up, and we would go to like Iowa and Nebraska and all those places. And you just you'd be driving, and you'd fall asleep, and then an hour later you wake up, and you just still see cornfields, and you're like, did I go anywhere? What's going
1: on? <laughs> yes, my my partner and one of our employees, they're both from Nebraska originally. They grew up there, and I always give them a hard time about it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. But some of the nicest people in the Midwest, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of stuff happening in just the EPM marketplace, and then y'all at, at Xenix are in the middle of it seeing it. Zach, talk to me a little bit about some of the trends that you're seeing in the marketplace right now and what y'all are doing to address it and capitalize on it.
1: Let me start by saying, I think that Anaplan specifically, obviously with the Tomo Bravo acquisition, and that's mostly where we play, there's a ton of change there you know, that I can certainly get into. But market as a whole, I would say it seems to be trending more and more. Obviously, there's a high degree of importance placed on data integration and getting it from point A to point B and being able to trust it in that Transformation from point A to point B. But also, I think going along with that is just the automation piece, right? With all the AI, um, with just the automated features in a lot of the tools nowadays, I think that it's only picking up speed. And I think that it's mostly the time to delivery that people are just trying to expedite and hit. I would say that's probably the biggest thing. More point solution focused in terms of how quickly. They can get teams going.
0: You talked about some of the changes going on with Anaplan because of the Tama Bravo acquisition. And I know a lot of implementation partners are going through badging process and aligning to Anaplan's verticalized go-to-market approach. Tell me a little bit about what that process has been like for y'all at Xenix.
1: Definitely. We're a registered partner. We're not gold or global partners, so not yet. We, Not yet. Yeah, not yet. Only time. Only time will tell. But our biggest focus is in the FP&A space. We keep things a little bit more generic in that way because it really is hard to get the credentials required to meet some of the more specialized ones. And we've always had a relationship with Plan where we work a lot with existing customers in terms of optimization, enhancement. I think that a lot of This specialization is going to help them and the partners obviously do that a little bit quicker and get more of these kind of pre-structured models that are verified and certified to a higher degree now. Getting those in to start, maybe getting them 70% of what they need. And then while they're adopting it and, and actually using it, then you can start to add some of those more customized enhancements and changes to their specific
0: use case. One of the things you touched on earlier was a trend you're seeing is that time to delivery needs to come down, a focus on automation, data integration, and then being able to trust the information. But did you see Pigment's new feature, Pigment AI, where you can type into the chat box what type of model you want it to create and it'll just spit it out. So I could see that being a trend from your perspective. What are some things that you think consultants, model builders, companies need to be aware of as there's kind of this crunch for speed and making sure things stay accurate? Well, you know, I think that
1: obviously with the ease of transforming and changing, using some of those tools is obviously just maintaining the sanctity of the data itself. And can you trust it? But the more and more you get into that, oh, I can click a button and it works, or it makes a change, easy to lose track of some of the things that are kind of falling off the plate that you're not really recognizing because it's just so easy and convenient to make some of those changes. I think that you'd have to put some fail safes in place, obviously, but uh, it's going to take some time to develop those practices, I think, because it's such a you know new capability and I'm excited to see it. I haven't seen the pigment news that you mentioned, which that's awesome. It's kind of exactly where I saw this going anyway, but we, we've seen it on the data integration side. Boomi, I think just made an announcement with their connector that their AI capabilities and being able to sense some of the changes that you want to make to the existing connections based on conversations between two people talking generally about it. I think that that's crazy to think about because you've used chat GPT,
0: Chad. Oh yeah. Use it quite a bit actually.
1: Yeah, it's great. But you got to get used to how to prompt it correctly. Mm -hmm. That's been my experience at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what they're claiming is that you and I could be having a chat conversation like we would on Slack about what we're doing. And it would be able to sense some of those changes. And then it would ask you questions. Hey, based on this, do you want us to change this connection, this block of data based on that, that's, I think that that's pretty crazy that it's got more of that human communication
0: and language. And yeah, it's the learning it to that technical. Yeah. It's the real time learning capability is exciting, but it's also a little bit scary at the same time.
1: Yeah. Cue the matrix and terminator.
0: <laughs> <Game> <laughs> yeah. Songs, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because the, you know, the idea behind all this is that it'll, it'll increase your productivity. It'll reduce the amount of time you spend on administrative tasks and all that, but there's obviously still risk with it. And when it comes to broader transformation, we know that companies, a lot of times struggle to fully realize transformation. I know there's arguments that AI will help companies realize transformation. But if we just take a step back from, from the technology piece, maybe a little bit, and tell me from your perspective, Zach, what do you think prevents companies from realizing a successful EPM transformation?
1: This is a very open-ended question. I think the biggest one, at least from my personal experience has just been data period. Obviously, as a consultant and implementation partner, we're going in there and there's kind of two ends of the spectrum, you know, obviously you have your EPM that you're trying to implement, but it has to work with the ERP or all the existing IT um, owned softwares and on-prem solutions that manage all the transactional data and everything of, of that nature. I'd say that Between the data itself, getting it into your EPM, being able to trust it, use it properly, and get the most out of it, as well as just the natural communication between the teams on those implementations and getting the things that you need in the time that you need it done from the right people is often a challenge. Obviously, they all have full-time jobs and you're trying to loop them into this transformation project. And although it is... You know something that they're part of. They have a whole litany of other responsibilities, so that can get in the way. But I think that it's just the data piece. I, I can't tell you how many times I've experienced where if you don't do a proper job in, in the discovery and getting those communication channels one, but also two, is just the structures put in place and know that you can get it to where you need it once you have the project kickoff you'll start the project and realize, oh, now we got to rebucket all of these issues, reprioritize these things because we're waiting on the data from whatever source system. It's not where we need it to be and we can't consume it properly. Or you end up putting in a patchwork type solution where we'll consume it as it is now, but it's going to change. So we're going to have to eventually come back around and change it again. So I think that it ultimately kind of, brings in a litany of, of issues into a project. So it's really important that you do the due diligence at the beginning when you're doing those discoveries and meeting with the customer before you kick off anything is to just outline
0: all of those things. It starts with the discovery. It's gotta be really focused on the data, where it comes from, and then kind of the X factor there is the communication and the people side, right? Is that fair? 100%. It, it, I've learned that
1: like, what, if you think if you think you've done enough discovery, you
0: haven't. That's usually how it goes. So I love that you said that because a discovery was something that I just wrote down. Talk to me now from your experience as a consultant. Where do a lot of consultants get discovery wrong?
1: What I've seen is that you translate it into what you do. Let's say I'm implementing Anaplan. Like I think of it in Anaplan terms. When they're telling me things, I need XYZ data like this. I need this report like this. We need to be able to do these processes. I think about it in an Anaplan sense. And I think that you end up making a lot of assumptions. And I think that that ultimately can bite you later on in the project when you're like, "Oh, I thought I totally understood what they were saying. And you
0: might have in the confines that you're working in. So in your mind, sometimes it's easy for you to go ahead and go to the solution because you have a bias to Anaplan. You're like, Anaplan can fix this. Let me figure out how I can get there instead of going in with almost no, I don't want to call it an agenda, but no agenda and just purely question asking, defining the problem and really getting that crystal crystal clear and then being able to determine what the best solution is. Yeah. And I think that you naturally,
1: when you start kind of understanding what they're telling you, what they want, you get confident. You're like, oh, I'm start. I am. I'm understanding, you know, what their team does and how they function with th- this other team and what they'll need to be able to gather from this other team. You start to put all those things together and you almost finish the painting yourself, which I think that the discovery just ultimately needs to be a slow burn process. You need to really constantly be break checking yourself and saying, am I understanding this? You could be 99% the way through discovery and you need to take that final look and say, did I get each one of these points right? And constantly be doing that team evaluation of, are we on the right track so that when, once we hit, once the green light, is on, we're ready to go and we can really limit just the amount of you know potential issues along the way.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And going back to your point around the, the communication and adoption and like that ability to influence and get the information you need from the people, like the people side of it. I know that when people feel heard and they feel understood like, oh, you get my pain point, you understand what we're struggling with here, you're more likely to get the adoption on the back end when you're actually delivering a solution because they're like, Zach got it, Zach understands. And so it just it all starts with discovery and seeking to understand and being able to really ask those great questions. 100%. So let's talk about that career side, being an effective consultant. You've started your own firm, you grew up in Anaplan, you're a certified master planner Tell me a little bit about just what advice would you have for someone who's early on in their career, as an EPM professional?
1: I'll start with kind of my own personal experience in the Anaplan world, just because I think there's a very common, I guess, roadblock that a lot of people hit along that of wanting to become a master Anaplan or solutions consultant along those lines is that you hit the level two model building, which is the last course that requires project experience. And then the gap between level two model builder and then solution architect, you you require, you know, actual hands-on experience. But if you don't come from this world, like I didn't, is how do you get on a project with no project experience? It's a bit of a challenge. And this is probably relates more to a broader audience. It's finding opportunities outside of your job role, because I think that you read your list of job responsibilities. And you can do those to a T a hundred percent and even exceed expectations in those tasks and duties. But if you want to do something different, you need to do something different or in addition to what you're currently doing. And I think that, you know, the key is just to find opportunities, find problems that people didn't even know were there. If you can't find one, create an opportunity and look for things that can be better and start there. I think if you just adopt that mindset, you're going to start, you know, becoming an invaluable asset to whatever team or company you're a part of, and doors are going to open from that point on. But nobody's going to tell you, oh, this is how you can progress. You do this thing that I, you know, that somebody else is already doing. No, you need to bring new value and think about it that way. I think that that that's really beneficial.
0: Yeah. That's pure gold right there. Going outside of your job description to bring some different kind of value. But what I was thinking of, as you were saying that is the natural question is, okay, Zach, but how, and then that goes back to discovery. You've got to be able to go out and ask questions. If you're at a company and you don't understand the business model at the foundations, the basics find the people who know it and learn it and understand it and become an expert at that business model, regardless of what your job description is. Right.
1: It's networking at its very core. It starts that way. You can just start by having a conversation with those people. If you're interested in doing a specific thing, then just be friends with them start having conversations about what they do and you'll start to naturally figure out, Oh, maybe they could do this and that would be better. Then you can start having those conversations and that's where the ideas probably come from. Mm, That's when you get the, mm -hmm.
0: absolutely. You got to add value. Got to add value first. Yep. Zach, this has been awesome. Such a great conversation. Loved hearing your thoughts and just the journey y'all have been on and how you see the marketplace and what it takes to be successful in a career in EPM. I'll get you out of here on this question. Do you have any sort of a BHAG that you're going after right now? Could be work-related, could also be personal, but that's a big, hairy, audacious goal. So what, what are you doing next? Well, we already
1: touched upon getting us up to you know, global that's right. Level partners. So. Global partner. Yeah, yeah. That would be a really, really audacious goal for us to get after. Uh, and the personal side, I've always been interested in doing one of the Spartan races. Uh, okay. Something along those lines. The Ironman, like mm-hmm. I've always been, I haven't been a great swimmer. I used to be able to run forever, but the swimming and, and biking and some of the more triathlon related things would be a challenge. So probably that other than that, my girlfriend and I work with an organization around here rescues pit bulls and just something that she's she's very, very passionate about, but would be helping support and create a nonprofit doing that kind of work. That would be a really big goal that I'd probably have on my personal side as well. That's awesome.
0: Zach, love those goals. Love everything y'all are doing at Xenix Consulting. And thanks for the time today. I appreciate you.
1: It was a pleasure being on the show. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're consuming this, if it's YouTube, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot more amazing guests on the way, a lot more great content. We're doing our best to bring you value and have fun while we do it. And uh, we really want this to be a career advantage, listening to this show, and we want you to enjoy it. So means a lot make sure you're subscribed for what's what's to come and also if you're up for it it would mean a lot if you leave us a like a comment a rating a review whatever platform you're on that really helps and it gets us fired up when we see those so i appreciate you guys find us on linkedin i'm blake bozarth my co-host chad pike with a y would love to connect with you there have an awesome day see you next time peace